So today, the title of my lesson, or the title of the message here is, In Light of What Jesus Can Do. And as I was preparing this message and as I was reading, we're going to be looking at the first 12 verses of chapter 2 today of Mark. As I was preparing this, it, it really kind of hit me. There's a couple questions that at some point in your life, all of you are going to be forced to consider. And most of you sitting here today, you have already uh, dealt with these questions, but I think it's important for us to be reminded uh, of what the answer to these two questions are. The first question is, can I be forgiven of my sins? At some point in every person's life, in, in every person's walk, whether you are a follower or you're not a follower or you're searching or you're running, the question, can I be forgiven of what I have done wrong? And the reason I bring that to light is because I have discovered in my life that there are folks that wrestle with, they can, with, with whether they can actually be forgiven. There are people who wrestle with, have the things that I have done been too bad? Has the sin that I have been committed, that I have committed, has it been so horrendous that I can even be forgiven? And maybe, maybe all of us in this room at some point have asked that question. Can I be forgiven? The second question that goes right along with this is who is it or who is going to actually forgive me? You see, in our lives, sin is the greatest problem. And I'm not going to stand up here today and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to call it mistakes. I'm not going to call it this or that. You know, it, one of the things that I've noticed a lot in the church today and a lot in a lot of preaching and teaching is it's almost as if we've kind of got nervous about using the word sin anymore. And, and we almost want to we want to we want to kind of sugar it down or or kind of soften it. And I'm not going to do that today because sin is real. And it is the greatest problem that we have in our lives. It's the greatest problem that we have in our culture. It is the greatest problem that we have in this world. It is our greatest enemy, and it is what separates us from God. It renders us spiritually dead, and if left unforgiven, sin will result in eternal death in a place, and this is another word that I'm going to use today that we don't hear a whole lot about, and that is hell. Do you agree with me today? If you do not deal with the issue of sin in your life, if we do not deal with the struggle of sin... Sin 
unforgiven results in eternity in hell. Sin shatters relationships. It causes us to do and think foolishly. It leads us to make bad choices. It moves us to act in evil and destructive ways. Sin is what separates us from God. And so the question, can I be forgiven of my sin, is a valid question. Well, today, the most wonderful thing that I can say to you is that the Word of God tells us absolutely yes. Can you say amen to that today? Who can forgive us? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God in flesh, God the eternal, God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ is the one who brings forgiveness and brings healing to the brokenness, to the sin in our lives. And this Jesus, he is the Son of God, he is the Son of Man, that's what it says in chapter 2, verse 10, and He is the Holy One of God. We're talking about the Trinitarian understanding of Jesus. He has come to take away the sins of the world, and He is the only one who can deliver me from the penalty of my sin. He is the only one that can provide justification. He is the only one who can deliver me from the power of sin. He is the only one that can bring sanctification, that he can bring, he can bring not only healing, but bring holiness, and he is the only one who can deliver me from the presence of sin, promising us a future glorification. Amen? And so in light of that, and I had to just lay that preface out there, I just kind of had to lay that, that foundation down. In light of, of who Jesus is, is and what he can do what i want to share with you today out of these first 12 verses of chapter 2 is what we ought to do in light of this let's pray god this morning i ask that more than anything today that your glory be seen here Lord, I pray that no matter how much my human flesh, my human abilities try to get in the way, Lord, I pray that your words would be spoken. Lord, I surrender myself to you completely today, and I pray not only that you would speak to me, but that you would speak through me, and that we would hear today the words that you have for us. I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, amen. amen. All right, so let's relax and let's have fun. All right, so we're going to do the first chapter, 12 verses of chapter 2. All right, so go ahead and put that up there, okay? So it says, when he entered Capernaum, 
Again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, okay? So we remember chapter 1, okay, last week he, he healed the leper. We've seen him baptized. We've seen him go out into the wilderness. We saw the 40 days of temptation. He came back, okay? And so now, now he's back, okay? And so he enters into Capernaum again after some days, and it is reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that, were, that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. Go ahead. All right? And they came to him, and bringing a paralytic carried by four of them, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Go ahead, go, keep going. But some of the scribes, ah, oh, the scribes, they're always sticking their nose in, aren't they? Some of the scribes, those are the spiritual righteous ones. Just I didn't know if you guys knew that, okay? They're the, they're the, they're, they're the ones that they, they know their Bible. They know their stuff, all right? Anyway, all right. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone. Keep going. Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit, he got their number. All right, that's what it means right there. He's like, I, he, I know what these guys are thinking. All right? He perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves, and he says to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know, go ahead, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. What a powerful message. Go ahead. I have one more. I forget, realized. Go ahead to the last one. I told you I'm ADD, okay? And immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. You talk about a passage of scripture. So let's get this straight this morning. Let me just tell you, let me just let me just paint this picture clearly, okay? So Jesus, he's back home, all right? And people get the word, the phone calls are made, they're paging, they're, they're texting, they're Facebooking, they're Snapchatting, they're doing whatever. Okay, they don't really do that back then, but 
I'm just trying to apply it. Okay, they're doing, hey, Jesus is back in town. Jesus is here. Jesus is back in town. Cool, we'll meet you over. He's over at his house. Yeah, we'll be there in a minute. And so all of them are gathered around because they want to hear more words. And, and there's these four guys, and they got a buddy who is, is crippled, and they, they know that if they can just get him to Jesus, that Jesus is going to touch him, and Jesus is going to heal him. And so they get there, and like there's a mob crowd around the house, and they're like, what are we going to do? And so they get a bright idea. Let's go up on the roof. Let's tear a hole in the roof. And we'll lower him down in. All right? That's what's happening here, all right? You see, as you read this passage of Scripture, there's some things that we need to grab a hold of today. Some things that because of who Jesus is, we ought to do. And we see those being broke down here today. The first thing that we ought to be doing because we understand who Jesus is, is we ought to be like these four guys, bringing every person that we know, everyone in our lives who is hurting Jesus. You know what? The thing I struggle with the most in my life is allowing or keeping me from getting in the way of doing what Jesus wants. Do any of you struggle with that? Don, any, just anybody? I mean, anybody here? Like, we're going to have an altar call at the end of service. It's open for everybody. I, I mean, I struggle with that a lot. I struggle with the fact that there's a lot of things I know. You know, my, you know I talk about evangelism. I talk about discipleship. There's a lot of things I know I ought to be doing. I ought to be going out and sharing the love of Jesus. But you know what? I get in the way of that a lot. Because I get tired. I get busy. I got a lot of things. And you know what? Sometimes I struggle with doing so much for the Lord that I don't do enough for the Lord. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand that? And so what we see in this passage of Scripture, the first thing that I want us to grab a hold of today is that if we truly understand who Jesus Christ is, if we understand that when the question that is asked, can I be forgiven of my sin, and the answer is yes. And who is going to forgive me of my sin? The answer is God. It is Jesus Christ. If we understand that, then why would we not want not only ourselves to bring to be brought to wholeness, but why would we not want to reach out and bring everyone that we can think of, everyone that God places in our lives to him to bring healing? And so this passage of Scripture begins in these first five verses, and he's talking about basically we should be bringing the hurting to Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through chapter 3, verse 36. It is a single unit, okay? We're going to be looking at this over the next few days. It is a single unit comprising five controversial issues between Jesus and and the religious leaders in Galilee, in northern Israel, okay? And so today, as we, as we look at this, we're going to discover the first one, okay? In this first passage of Scripture here, in this first section, okay, Jesus, he's back in his hometown, he's preaching, he's been on a tour, he's home, 
and he's staying at Peter's house, and it says in verse 1 and 2 again, it says, when he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home, so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. You see, the reason why we need to bring the hurting to Christ is because they need to hear his teaching. Folks, there are so many people around us who are lost, who don't know Jesus Christ, and they need to hear what he has to give them, what he has to offer them, what he has for their life. The brokenness, the the void, that which is missing in their life, it comes from him. You see, the news got out that Jesus had returned, and they came to hear him speak, and and, and so many gathered around that there was no room. Even the doorways were jammed, and, and they were certainly interested in Jesus, but their interest was in the wrong, the wrong reasons, okay? They wanted another miracle. They wanted, they wanted to see him do something. And what I'm here to tell you today is that what he has to teach us is the most important thing that we can receive in life. He preached the message. He preached the logos. He preached the word to them. And this involved proclaiming scripture from the Old Testament, and he continued to call. And the key here is he called them to repent and believe the gospel in light of the kingdom of God. You see, as disciples of his gracious ministry, can I tell you something? We cannot go through life just hearing a sermon once a week on Sunday morning from a crazy guy that's all over the place. We have to hear the word of God being taught to us daily. It says they came to him and he gave the word to them. They came to him, and they, they brought a paralytic with them and carried him with four of them, and, and since they were not able to bring him to, to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying, and seeing their face, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, the reason why we need to hear the message of Jesus Christ is because... We need to hear and experience the forgiveness that can only come from him. Folks, how many people do you know in your life who struggle with brokenness and they need to hear someone say to them, it's okay. They need to hear someone say to them, no matter what you have done in your life, no matter how much you have done, no matter how guilty you feel, there is someone who can offer you forgiveness. There is someone who wants to forgive you. You see, folks, the reason why we need to bring the hurting to Christ is because they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and it is a message that brings about healing, and it brings about forgiveness. You see, during Jesus' teaching, these four guys who showed up with this this dude that couldn't walk, all right, they believed without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus could heal them. 
I mean, you don't crawl up on the roof of a building and put a hole in the building if you don't believe something's going to, I mean, I, I, there was no, they weren't standing out on side of the side uh, of the building going, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess we could, you know, hook this thing up to them, put them on the roof, and, you know, we go ahead and dig a hole in that ceiling up there. Somebody bring a shovel. You guys got some picks. I don't know if Jesus is really going to heal him, but we'll go ahead and do it. Do they knew that if they could get him to Jesus, what was going to happen? He was going to be healed. And they didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't deal, they didn't deal with fighting the crowd. They took the outside staircase. They climbed onto the flat rooftop. Okay, they, made, they walked across the beams, just in case you're wondering. You know, back during that period of time, it was probably beams across the top, and then it was covered with branches, and it was packed with mud and all kinds of different stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't like they were breaking through cement, but, I mean, it was pretty good stuff. I mean, I imagine they're up there, and when they started busting through, there are people downstairs standing around Jesus, and they're like, you know, they're listening to him and everything, and it, did you feel that? Did you feel, and then all of a sudden, you know, but they knew that if they could bust through that, if they lowered him down, that he was going to be healed, and Jesus saw their faith. And he was impressed. He was clearly impressed. And he honored their faith by pouring out mercy upon this man. And Jesus dressed him, and he dressed him as son. He said, son. In other words, what he said to him is he said, child. This is an affectionate way that he said this to him. He said, listen, your sins are forgiven. Now, what I find interesting in this passage of Scripture is that these men came to Jesus, I don't believe, to have their sins forgiven. They came because they wanted to heal. They wanted healing. They wanted the physical healing. But Jesus gave him both, didn't he? Because you see, the, the men, all they saw was the paralytic they saw the crippled nature but what jesus sees is he sees the whole situation and jesus he lovingly looks past the surface need and he met his deeper need he looked past the man's immediate need and he met the real need you see, based on who he is and what he would accomplish on the cross, Jesus, what he did here in this passage is he extended to a paralyzed sinner God's full and complete pardon of sin. And this morning, what I want us to grab a hold of out of this passage of Scripture before we get anywhere else is that God has given each one of us opportunities to reach out to people who need to experience his love. And folks, can I tell you something? When we miss those opportunities, when we don't have time for those opportunities, when we're too tired to take those opportunities, we are missing 
the greatest reason that God has given us as followers of Jesus Christ. And that is to bring the broken and the hurting to him. How many people in your life have you missed that opportunity? I'm not trying to beat you up today because, man, I'll tell you what, this is something that I have struggled with and I continue to struggle with. I struggle greatly with the reality that in my teen years, you guys know I was a teenager once, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, in the dictionary under the word hypocrite, my picture was right there. I was youth leader, youth president of our district, a preacher's kid. I carried my Bible to school. That's enough. Anyway. <laughs> I sang in church back then. For all of you in my generation, I used to sing. You remember, you remember Michael W. Smith's friend song? I used to sing that song. Packing up the dreams God's planted. And I used to get that Michael W. Smith sound. In the fertile soils of you. <laughs> friends are friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of all. That's enough. But you know what I was doing on Friday nights? On Friday nights, I was hanging out with my football buddies after the game. We were drinking. We were having fun. We were having a blast. We were doing all the things that peer pressure causes you to do. And I think back to those years, and I'm, I'm, I, can't, I still can't believe I just sang Friends in front of you guys. That's, that's really messed up. I'm gonna, my wife is going to really talk to me about that later. <laughs> But I think back to those years. I think back to those years, and there's a, couple, there's a couple specific situations that I think about back in those years, and I think about now, where there were some people in my life that were truly hurting. There was a young man by the name of Eric, and he was probably one of my best friends. He was not my best best, but we were very, Tim was my best friend, but Eric was a really, really close friend of mine and Eric Eric he was adopted he was adopted into a family he his the family that adopted him gave him everything that you could want physically but they didn't give him the love of Jesus Christ they didn't share with him the love of Jesus Christ and Eric was a rocker. He had long hair. He played electric guitar. He did all the things that I wanted to do and couldn't do. (laughs) 
And I had so many opportunities to invite him to church, so many opportunities to share the love of Jesus Christ with him, and I didn't because I wanted him to think I was cool. Later on during life, as we got older, there were different opportunities that I had and I don't tell this story very often because it really, uh, it's one of those things that I wrestle with heavily. But there were opportunities later on in life where I experienced conversations with him where I knew that he was struggling. But again, I didn't want to ruin my image in him, in front of him. And I held off and didn't share. And 14 years ago, 13 maybe, I can't remember. He posted something on Facebook and I knew again he was searching. And he had lived a broken life. He had lived a life that he was, it was all about possessions. And I had one more chance to interject into his life. And I didn't. And two weeks after he posted that, he took his life. He was broken. He was hurting. I had the opportunity to share Christ with him. I had the opportunity to tell him that no matter what he experienced, no matter what he had done, no matter how much brokenness he had experienced, that there was someone, Jesus Christ, who could give him healing. I didn't do it. Folks, listen today. We don't know the future of each person in our life. But if there are people in your life who are broken and hurting, you have the opportunity to share with them the one who loves them unconditionally and can bring forgiveness. And you see, these four guys in this passage of Scripture, they were not going to let a roof get in the way because they understood that the only way that sin can be forgiven, the only way that healing can take place is through Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you know what he can do, then what you should be doing, what I should be doing, is bringing the hurt and the lost to him. Amen? And that leads me to the second part of this message, and that took a little bit longer than what I was going to take, so I'm going to have to speed it up here. But if we understand who Jesus 
is and what he has done for us. The second thing that we need to do is we need to see him for who he really is. We need to see him for who he is. We are hardly stunned by the reaction of the scribes, the religious leaders of Israel, the way that they acted in this passage of Scripture, we knew that. We, we know they're going to do that. We've seen that, right? We understand that. When they heard Jesus forgive the man's sin, they immediately accused him of blasphemy. The very charge they will use to get him crucified later, all right? So understand, the accusations they make here in this passage of Scripture, these are the accusations that they're going to use to put him on the cross later on. I can say one thing for these guys if I can't say anything else. They at least understood the significance of Jesus' actions here. You see, they recognized that the proclamation of forgiveness was not a passing comment, but a declaration of deity. When Jesus told this man, your sins can be forgiven, you are forgiven, the only one who can forgive sin is God the Father, God the Son, the only one that can forgive. So when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, they they were serious about what they heard. This was a serious charge with serious consequences. They understood Jesus' words, and they, they saw them as being dishonoring. They saw them as being disrespectful to God because they really believed only God could forgive sin. And so this was blasphemy. They went all the way back to Leviticus. Leviticus 24, verse 15 and 16 says, And tell the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will bear the consequences of his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The whole community is to stone him. Man, the Old Testament, if he blasphemies the name, he is to put, be put to death, whether the resident alien or the native. Jesus' words, when Jesus says, you are forgiven, they are indeed blasphemous. If he's not the Son of God. But we know that he is. He is, in fact, God. You see, this whole scenario leaves everyone questioning at this period of time, who is this one to forgive sin? And Jesus responds in verse 5 through 7. He says, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? And right away Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sin is forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk you see what we need to grab a hold of what we need to understand and realize 
is that not only should we be bringing the hurting to Christ, but we need to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is God, all right? And I bring this up today as we're preaching through this because the scribes, they were correct. Only God can forgive sin. And that's precisely what Jesus was asserting here. That's exactly what Jesus was telling. He was proving it momentarily by healing this man. And later he's going to prove it for all time when he three days later walks out of the grave alive. You see, just for the record, I just want to throw this out there. In Jewish thinking, even the Messiah could not forgive sin. God and God alone has the authority and right. Those first century Jews knew exactly what was going on. If he can forgive sin, then Jesus is God. Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking he knew exactly, and that's another obvious evidence of his, uh, of his deity because he knew what they were thinking, right? That's called, that's called omniscience, okay? He's like, I know what you're thinking, all right? He confronted them, and he confronts them with two questions. Why are you thinking these things in your heart, which is, e- which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Jesus knew, as did they, it is one thing to say it, but it is something else to prove it. You see, Jesus is God, folks. He's not a great teacher. He's not a good prophet. You're going to hear that in your culture. You're going to hear that in schools. You're going to hear that from other religions. You're going to tell you, oh, yeah, Jesus was a good man. He was the best of the prophets. He was a wonderful rabbi. No, Jesus is God. And he proclaims it here. Verse 10 says, but so that you may know that the Son has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go. Not only is he God, but he's the son of man. Jesus introduces us to a very specific title that will become his favorite self-designation. He refers to himself as the son of man. Let's talk about that just for a second here today. The title, it's found 81 times in the gospel. You know that? The title, the Son of Man. Why did Jesus use this term so often? And what did he mean by this when he says the Son of Man? Why did he not more often use the term Christ or Messiah or even the Son of God, okay? Since that's truly who he was, amen, right? All right? So why does he say the Son of Man? Well, I want you to look at, at, at this. The, I, I want to I look at the way this term is used so that you can answer those questions, Okay? You see, sometimes Jesus shows himself to be the son of man who is serving, all right? If you look at verse 10 or if you jump to verse 28, okay, when he uses the words son of man, when he calls himself, sometimes he uses this title as the son of man who is serving, okay? At other times, Jesus, when he uses this phrase son of man, He uses it as someone who is suffering, all right? 
And then finally, Jesus is the Son of Man who comes in glory, all right? So what I want you to understand is when he uses this title, Son of Man, the title occurs more often after Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Jesus begins to teach clearly about his own death. And what he wants us to understand, and the reason why he uses this term, Son of Man, is because he wants us to see him and understand him as the suffering servant. In Psalms 144, it simply says, human being. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, I will continue watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. You see, Jesus uses this title to refer to himself with both meanings. As God, he is flesh. He is human being who identifies with sinful humanity as he serves and suffers on our behalf. But as God also, he is coming in his glory. You see, Jesus is the understanding and the manifestation and the realization that you and I, as humans, can be set free. We can experience healing and wholeness. Amen? You see, Jesus avoided the term Christ, Messiah, I believe, because he was a much different kind of Messiah than the Jewish nation anticipated. You see, the reason why he didn't refer to himself as Messiah oftentimes is because the Messiah they were looking for was going to go overthrow the Roman government. The Messiah that they were looking for was going to take down those who were holding them oppression. And when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem later on, we'll get to that, you know, palm branches and all that kind of stuff, and they're like screaming and hollering, I don't know if they did that. That was me. They thought he was coming into Jerusalem to take over the governing system. They thought that he was coming in to knock out the ruling authorities. And so that was exciting to them. But they quickly came to realize that he was not the kind of Messiah they were looking for. He was the kind of Messiah they needed. He didn't want to get that confused. Only in this text is the forgiveness of sin fully understood because it is the divine, I'm having a hard time, it's the divine Jesus taking on all of humanity to bring full forgiveness for our sins. He is God, a divine heavenly figure who will receive an everlasting kingdom. And that kingdom 
is going to be realized fully when he dies on the cross and he walks out of the grave three days later. Now, folks, the final thing, and I, I want to wrap it up here, that I want to bring out. and I think that as we look at this passage of Scripture and we understand who Jesus really is, what Mark is trying to get at is he wants us to understand that we are to bring the hurting, we are to bring the lost, we are to bring the broken to Christ. We are to, at all costs, whether it means breaking through the roof of a building, whether it means uh, setting aside all of the normal trappings of what we call church, whether it means saying instead of us being all about us, we're going to go out and be about the community. Instead of, instead of us trying to gather people to us, us going out and loving on people where they're at. That's what breaking through that ceiling means. He wants us to understand that the hurting need to hear the message of Christ. And what he's saying, if we understand who he really is, we want to bring the hurting. We want to bring the loss. But not only do we want to bring the hurting, not only do we want to bring the loss, but we want to see and help others see Jesus for who he truly is. You see, I'm sad to say, but the world has a flawed image of Christ because of a broken message of the church. I know you don't want to say amen to that, but it's true. You see, what the, what the message of Christ ought to be for us as the church is a message of love, a message of acceptance, and more importantly, a message of transformation. You see, when we talk about here at Lifebrook Church, and I'm going to talk about this because that's what I do, when we talk about discipleship at, at, here at Lifebrook Church, discipleship is not about how many passages of Scripture you have memorized. It's not about, discipleship is not about how much money you put in the offering plate each Sunday. But keep putting it in there because we've got to do ministry. Steve was sweating back there a little bit. It, 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 it's not about, it's not even about how many positions you serve at or serve on in the church, you know. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not about the things that we do it's about the way we love people like christ has loved us you see a true disciple of jesus christ is someone who lives their life in such a way as though christ were living go ahead and say it with me for those as though christ were living my life for me you see as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are learning how to live and love like Jesus. We're not in the transformation business, okay? Jesus does the transforming. We're in the living and loving like Jesus business. 
And so that is us understanding who Jesus really is. And so that leads to the final part of this message, and that is because we ought to be bringing the broken, the hurt, the lost to Christ, because we ought to be seeing him for who he really is, we should be praising him with every ounce of who we are because of what he does. We should be glorifying Jesus. Listen, when we sing here on Sunday mornings, I'm going to do a quick sermon real quick on worship, okay? All right? Don't stand there and sing like this. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna, he is all of him, is more than enough for all of me. For every hurt and every hate. Did you, did you guys, what are you guys going to have for lunch today after service? Oh, more than enough. I'm thinking about going to El Mezcal. I'm not going to El Mezcal. Last time I went there, man, I, I was going three or four days after I left that, left that place. All of you is more than enough for... I don't care if you can sing. I don't care. You obviously know I can't. Okay? What? That, you guys enjoyed that way too much, okay? <laughs> it's about praising the one who has set us free. Amen. Folks, whether you can sing, do like I do on Sunday mornings. I sing like this. I stand over here. I clap my hands. I have no rhythm. So I don't let my hands touch so they don't make noise. I've, this is 20-some years of learning this. You know, I bounce like this, and I lip sync. Yeah. I grew up in the 80s, man. I can lip sync. I can sing with the best of you and have nothing come out of my mouth. See? You know, it's just... It's about just worshiping and praising him, you know? In spite of all the things that happen around us, giving him praise and glory and lifting him up. Isaiah 35, verse 5, or verse 6 says, Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing with joy, for water will gush into the wilderness and streams of the desert, seeing their faith. Jesus told the paralytic, your son and your sins have been forgiven. You see, the reason why we ought to be worshiping and praising him is because he forgives our sins. He is the one that sets us free. And he heals us of the diseases. He heals us of the sickness in our life. I want to close by reading a quote from the book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I don't know if any of you guys have read this book. But C.S. Lewis is the author also of the Narnia Adventures, which we did The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. 
at Christmas time. And amazingly enough, I didn't realize it, but there was a little bit of controversy over that. I was oblivious to it. I normally am. Because it, you know, it's got a, a witch in it, and, you know, there talks a little bit about magic, and I don't know, some, you know, it's almost like all of a sudden we were bringing Harry Potter into the church. No, we weren't. I, wa- I want to clarify. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis was a devout atheist who came to a deep understanding and faith in Jesus Christ. And out of that deep faith, out of that deep understanding of who Christ is, he wrote this series of books called the Narnia Adventures, which are just a, a real way of letting people who don't understand Christ, who don't understand Scripture, to see the power of what Christ can do in your life. But he also wrote another book called Mere Christianity. And as the band is coming up... Um, I want to read this little quote to you, and then I'm just going to shut up. Um, and he points the astonishing claims of Jesus. He pinpoints them, and he carefully leads us to the logical and what I would consider to be the unavoidable conclusion that we have to face as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, in this situation, among these Jews here in this first century culture, suddenly there turns up this man who goes about talking as if he's God. And C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, What this man said was quite simply the most shocking thing that had ever been uttered by human lips. He goes on, he says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and 
God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, this morning, what I want you to understand, and I'm going to say this clearly, Jesus is God who forgives sin. The question that you and I must ask ourselves today, is he my God? Is he your God? Has he forgiven my sin? Has he forgiven your sin? Because this morning, if you proclaim him as Lord and Savior in your life, but don't share him with the world that he has given you to share. If you proclaim him as Jesus and Lord and Savior of your life, but you don't fully proclaim him to those he has placed in your life, if you claim him as Lord and Savior in your life, but don't rejoice in Him and praise Him with every ounce of who you are. Can you truly say He's Lord of your life? Folks, it's time for us it's time for us to start breaking through the ceilings. It's time for us to start doing whatever it takes to bring the broken, the lost, the hurting, the struggling to Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to live victorious because of what he's done for us. Amen. Join me as we celebrate who Christ is. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today for allowing your word to speak to us. Lord, I pray more than anything that we will be the light and the beacon to this community that you would have us to be. Lord, I pray that we would reach out to those who are broken and hurting, those who are lost, and share your love. Share your love unconditionally. You have said that when we show it unto the least of these, we have shown it unto you. Lord, I pray more than anything that we would live and love like you. I pray this in your most precious name. And everyone says...